0: You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. Join us now for Bishop Sheen Presents, hosted by Al Smith. Hello, my dear friends, and welcome to another edition of Bishop Sheen Presents here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. When I think of great voices, I think of Bishop Sheen, and it was his voice that touched the hearts of millions of souls through his radio addresses and his television programs, And we'd like to share a few of those reflections with you today. So I would invite you to sit back and relax and enjoy the wit and the wisdom of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Hello, Radio Maria family, and welcome to another edition of Bishop Sheen Presents. Today we're going to share two reflections with you Uh, One is on the topic of the devil, and the other is entitled, Our Cross. And so, uh, our Lord uh, spoke a great deal about Satan and uh, the demonic forces that come against us. And uh, again, we need to be reminded uh, that we're in this spiritual battle. And uh, we are encouraged to pick up our cross and follow the Lord, so... uh, Bishop Sheen will uh, again encourage us, uh, as he always does, so I invite you to sit back and relax and enjoy these two reflections here on Radio Maria, Canada, a Catholic voice, wherever you are
1: now because we are so we get so much of our theology from the press, I thought perhaps you might be interested in hearing about the devil from a sound philosophical and theological point of view. I'm going to describe to you the devil first from the psychiatric point of view and secondly from the biblical. First the psychiatric. It is interesting that as we drop things in the church, the world begins to pick them up and distorts them. Now we, for example, the nuns drop the long habits, the girls put on maxi-coats. We stop saying the beads, hippies put the beads around their neck. And as theologians dropped the demonic the psychiatrist picked it up. Rollo May of Rockefeller Institute has several chapters in his work on psychiatry on the diabolic. What is the diabolic from the purely psychiatric point of view? Dr. Rollo May analyzes the word diabolic. It comes from the Greek words dia and ballein. Diaboline is to tear apart, rend asunder. Anything, therefore, that breaks pattern, that destroys unity, that corrupts gestalt, produces discord, that is the diabolic. Now, there has been a great increase of the diabolic. Notice, for example, the discord in the church, the discord in religious communities, the discord among the laity as regards the church, discords in the clergy. All these are manifestations of a spirit of the diabolic that, is, that surrounds us. Now, this psychiatrist analyzes the way in which the diabolic works. And he mentions three. First, love of nudity. Secondly, violence, aggressiveness. Thirdly, split personalities, no inner peace, disjointed minds. First, a love of nudity. I asked a chaplain some years ago in in an institution if he had manifest any manifestations of the diabolic in an institution where he was and said, yes, sometimes when I bring the blessed sacrament in the people strip as I pass the room. But leave that aside, that is not important. I would rather refer you to the gospel. Now, our blessed Lord one time went into the land of the Gerasenes, or Gadarenes. It depends upon which translation of the scriptures you are using. And he found in this land a young man possessed by the devil. The gospel mentions three characteristics of this young man. First, he was nude. Secondly, he was violent and aggressive. They could not even keep him in chains. And thirdly, his mind was split, schizophrenic. Our Lord said to him, What is your name? He said, My name is Legion. Now, a Legion in his time meant 6,000 soldiers in the Roman army. See already? He's a person and yet he's legion, 6,000 others. My name is legion, for we are many. See, the personality is no longer unified. I, legion, we, many. Now this psychiatrist does not ever correlate his three manifestations of the diabolic with this young man in the gospel I am doing that because I could not help but notice the similarity between the two so from just a superficial point of view the diabolic disrupts and whenever you have a great manifestation of the spirit you always get the devil working When, for example, Moses in the Old Testament worked miracles against Pharaoh, Pharaoh's agents simulated a few miracles. When the Holy Spirit came upon the early church, Pentecost, there was the persecution of Stephen. We had a Vatican council, the blessing of the Spirit upon the church, and we have immediately the manifestation of the evil spirit. So I just leave you with this characteristic note of the diabolic from the psychiatric point of view. The breakup of unity, the breakup of families, break up of corporations, break up of religious communities, break up the oneness of Christ. That is one analysis of the demonic. The second, the biblical. I take you now to the 16th chapter of Matthew. Our Blessed Lord had asked the most important question that could ever be asked Who do men say that I am? Eventually, Peter gave the right answer Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then our Blessed Lord announced that he was going up to Jerusalem to be delivered over to the Gentiles, to be spat upon, crucified, and eventually would rise from the dead. Peter was willing to have a divine Christ, but he was not willing to have a suffering one. Well, go back now to the beginning of our Lord's public life and I will reveal to you again the three temptations that were presented to our Lord by Satan. And we will learn from this discussion that the essence of the satanic or the diabolic is the hatred of the cross of Christ. Now, let that dwell in your minds. What is the satanic from the biblical point of view? it is the contempt of the cross of Christ it's anti-cross as he proved now and that is the meaning we go back to the temptation our blessed Lord is on the mountain and Satan offers him three short cuts from the cross you want mankind to follow you? I will tell you the way, said Satan. You do not need a cross. I will give you three shortcuts. The first, see those stones down there? They look like little loaves of bread, don't they? You haven't eaten in 40 days. The first shortcut, permissiveness. Permissiveness. Do whatever you feel like doing. The second temptation the cross will never win mankind because mankind loves wonders, surprises, the startling, the marvelous. Anything that will make them say, oh. They'll forget the marvels in a week. We'll then repeat another marvel. Fly to the moon. Throw yourself from the steeple. And be unhurt. That's a marvel. Do that and the crowds will follow you. But you need no cross. And the final temptation, which will be the temptation of the church in the next 100 years. And we have the dim beginnings of it now. Satan says theology is politics. Why bother with theology? God, the mystery of redemption, the only thing that matters is politics. And holding, as it were, the shiny globe of the world in his hand, Satan said to him, All these kingdoms are mine. they I? And I will give them to you. If falling down, you will adore me. Was Satan for once in his life telling the truth? Are all the kingdoms his? But in any case, it was the third temptation of our blessed Lord not to be concerned with the divine, but to be concerned only with the social and political order. Now come back to our Lord calling Peter, Satan. The reason he did was because Satan tempted our Lord from the cross and that is precisely what Peter was trying to do when he said to him, This shall not be. We will recognize your divinity but we'll not recognize the cross. And from that time on to this, This is the biblical essence of the satanic.
0: We have it,
1: the spirit of it, in the church. Notice how much we've given up mortification, self-denial, discipline in schools, in seminaries the attempt at disruption books, for example, that will only describe the evil, real or imaginary, of people and they are in some of our schools, as you well know this is the disruptive element, the diabolic but the decline of the spirit of discipline is a hatred of the cross The ascetic or the disciplinary character of Christianity has moved to the totalitarian states. It is in China. It is in Russia. There, there's discipline, self-denial, commitment to a common purpose, but without a cross and therefore with complete destruction of human liberty. how much will this diabolic and the satanic and contempt of the cross continue to manifest itself? Well, we do not know for sure that we are in the age of the demonic. But there's a passage in St. Paul which at first seems very difficult. May I read it to you and then I will explain it. It is in Second Theologians Chapter 2 Verse 7 Now remember Paul was writing this Well within the first 60 years of Christianity Already the secret power of wickedness is at work secret secret only for the present in other words we cannot see the manifestation of evil and the demonic secret only for the present until the restrainer disappears from the scene we do not know precisely who is the restrainer Maybe Christ, maybe the Holy Spirit. Maybe an influx of grace. Maybe the holiness of the church. But in any case, the evil is secret until God says, All right, now evil, you will have your day, your hour. God has his day, evil has his hour. And then continuing and then he will be revealed Satan that wicked man whom the Lord Jesus will destroy with the breath of his mouth and annihilate by the radiance of his coming but the coming of that wicked man is the work of Satan it will be attended by powerful signs and miracles and lies and all deception that sinfulness can impose on those who are doomed to destruction Even in the last book of Scripture, we get the hint that when the Antichrist comes, there will be a simulated death and resurrection in order to deceive. So at present, we cannot see the demonic at work. But let me give you a hint as to how Christ works and how Satan works. Now, if you understand what I'm about to tell you, it will help you very much in dealing with the evil of the world and in overcoming it. I'm going to describe how our Lord appears before we sin and how Satan appears before we sin. Then I will describe how our Lord appears after we sin and how Satan appears after we sin. First of all, how does our Lord appear before, just before we sin, as when we are about to sin? Well, he appears as thou shalt not. He appears as the Lord on the cross. He bars the way. He says, my flesh was crucified, your flesh be crucified too. Go not this way. And so he stands in front of us. Oh, we're not free. We cannot do all we want to do. Christ is there. But how does Satan say, or talk when we are about to sin oh don't be sick we don't believe those things anymore times have changed are you still a virgin? you mean you've never had a smoke of marijuana? listen, everybody's doing it Don't pay attention to those doctors who tell you that it'll hurt your brain cells. You've got to live. You have to be yourself. You haven't committed adultery. Everybody's doing it now. These views of strict morality were all right 100 years ago or 500 years ago this is a new world I gotta be me I gotta be free that's the way the devil talks he's on our side before we sin Christ seems to be the accuser before we sin the devil is our defender He's on our side, the side of our sex, the side of our pride, the side of our greed. He takes our part. After we sin, then the roles are reversed. Then Christ becomes the defender and the devil, the accuser. And the devil will say, "All right, now you've had your dope. Now you're hooked. Don't come to me, I can't help you. You he might just as well give up. Sure, you've lost your virginity. Now what difference does it make? He might just as well go on? sure you've stolen you haven't been caught but you will be or you're about to be caught and so the devil fills us with despair as he filled the heart of Judas with despair Judas could have gone to the Savior and the Savior would have forgiven him but Judas took a rope and walked the frozen ground before the frosty trees. And every knot in every tree seemed to him like an eye. And every branch of every tree seemed to be an accusing finger. Traitor. There was nothing for him to do in his despair but suicide. And that is one of the reasons why suicide is on the increase in our civilization. Despair. The devil got us. In one of the novels of Dostoevsky, Raskolnikov, who was a very evil man said to a girl whom he loved he said, Sonia you know what's going to happen to you you're either going to jump off a bridge or you're going mad or you will cut your throat but that was not the way it happened because Sonia picked up the gospel of John and she began reading the resurrection of Lazarus and she said I can find new life in Christ which brings me to the way that our Lord acts after the sin now he is our defender he said come to me all ye who labor if your sins are as scarlet they shall be made white as snow and if they are as red as crimson, they shall be made white as wool. Poor, piteous, futile thing! Why should any set thee, love, apart? For how hast thou merited? Of all man's clotted clay, the dingiest clot. Alas thou knowest not how little worthy of any love thou art. For whom wilt thou find to love ignoble thee? Save me. Save only me. All that thy child's mistakes fancies is lost, I have stored for thee at home. Rise, clasp my hand, and come. This is the language of the Savior after we sin. Now I've told you what the diabolic is. the disruption of unity the satanic the contempt of the cross, mortification and self-denial and therefore of Christ himself there are 10,000 times 10,000 roads down which any of you may travel for a lifetime And it makes no difference which road you travel. At the end of all of these roads, you are going to see two faces. Either the merciful face of Christ or the horrible face of Satan. And either one at the end of your life will say, Mine. Mine. Play not, therefore, with that which is evil. Otherwise, we are caught. And I will tell you the three
0: powerful
1: weapons against Satan first the holy name of Jesus that is a name that Satan cannot stand because in the name of Jesus every knee will bow in the heavens on the earth and under the earth the second the blood of Christ the invocation of the blood of Christ I may give you a sermon on that but we are saved by the blood of Christ and therefore in temptation call upon his blood for without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin and thirdly devotion to our blessed mother For at the beginning, in the book of Genesis, it was the seed of a woman that would crush the seed of Satan. We are armed with three, these three weapons. The Holy Name, the Blood of Christ, and the Blessed Mother. And when you think of the diabolic and the demonic and the satanic... Do not be led off the track by what you may hear through the media of communications. The demonic very simply is the anti-cross. The anti-disciplined life. The anti-Christ. That's the Satanic. Nothing else. You'll never go wrong if you understand that. And he bids you love that cross. Whenever there's silence round about me by day or night, I am startled by a cry. It came down from the cross the first time I heard it. And I went out and searched and found a man in the throes of crucifixion. And I said, I will take you down. And I tried to take the nails out of his feet. But he said, let them be. For I cannot be taken down until every man, woman, and child come together to take me down but I said what can I do I cannot bear your cry and he said go into the world and tell every man that you meet there is a man on the cross
0: You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program. Bishop Sheen Presents, hosted by Al Smith.
1: Now you heard the story of Jonah, both in the epistle and in the gospel, first and second reading. You did not get the whole story of Jonah. Now I'm going to tell you the story of Jonah, and then... I will give you the lesson from it. Jonah is listed as one of the 12 minor prophets. And God sent him to the wicked city of Nineveh. Well, Jonah was a Jew. God to him was not the God of the Gentiles. Why should he go to pagan people? So Jonah took a boat to Spain. That probably was the Tarshish that is mentioned in the gospel, in the prophet. And on the way, a storm arose. And it is interesting that as you read that story of Job, now read it in your Bible. It's only about two or three pages long. It's the shortest book in the Scripture. And you often find God made a storm to arise. And God sent a fish into the sea and so forth. And God arranged that the Jonah should be swallowed up. Well, a storm came up. And the sailors, for the most part, were pagan sailors and rather superstitious. So they took lots. Maybe they got, got long and short straws. And everybody on board the boat had to draw a straw. And the one with the shortest straw, say, was the one who was guilty of the storm. Well, Jonah got the short straw. And he said, yes, he said, God told me to go and preach to the Gentiles, but I refused. And I'm the cause of this storm. Remember the failure of one can be the cause of the failure of many, as the salvation of one can be the cause of the salvation of many. For example, one man stole a Babylonian coat in the Old Testament, and Joshua lost a battle on account of it. God said it was on account of that man that you lost the battle. So Jonah's tossed into the sea, and then he's swallowed by a big fish. It is not actually a whale that is mentioned, but at any rate, a big fish. I know of a teacher who was asking the boys after the story of Jonah, what lesson do you get from the story of Jonah? And the little boy said, I get the lesson that people make whales sick. (laughs) So Jonah is swallowed by a big fish. I was lecturing at the University of California last year and at the end of the lecture I was asked questions and one student said, how was Jonah in the belly of the whale for three days? I said, I haven't the vaguest idea. But when I get to heaven, I shall ask Jonah. He said, suppose Jonah isn't there. I said, then you ask him. So you you have the prayer of Jonah in the belly of the whale. And then the whale spews him out on the land and again God gives her the order, go and preach penance to the city of Nineveh. Now that's the story that was read to you, as preaching of penance, and the king ordered it. But the very interesting part of the story story of Jonah is left out. Jonah wanted the people to be destroyed. You see, God said, I will destroy them if they do not do penance. Well, Jonah was afraid they would do penance, and then he would be accused of being a false prophet. And so Jonah went on a hill, and he was bald-headed. And he went on a hill overlooking the city of Nineveh, and the sun just scorched his bald head. And there was a little plant that began to grow, maybe a gourd, with a big leaf, and it shadowed the head of Jonah. And he was calm, peaceful, and cool. And then a little worm came and ate the plant. And then Jonah began to scorch again. And God said to him, you had nothing to do with that plant. And now when it withers away, you are angry. And God said, Shall I not be mindful of the 120,000 people in Nineveh who know not their right hand from their left? And their many cattle? This is the story of Jonah. God's concern for the Gentile people, for the missions, really. But we find it in the New Testament. See, our Lord speaks about it. He said, As Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so the Son of Man must be in the belly of the earth for three days. In other words, as our blessed Lord would be crucified and buried for three days and then rise from the dead, so in the past, Jonah had undergone his passion, his Good Friday, in the belly of the fish, and then comes again to life on the shore. This is what is known in Scripture as a type. Incidentally, that's the way catechism should be taught in Bible history. By types. Our young people should be told the story in the Old Testament and then told about how it was fulfilled by our blessed Lord in the New Testament. If you have two hours and a half, I'll give you an example of it. Our blessed Lord said to Nicodemus, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross. Now, in the Old Testament, the Jews that disobeyed our Lord, they were bitten by serpents. God said to Moses, make a serpent of brass. Hang it up on the crotch of a tree. And everyone who looks upon that brass serpent will be cured of snakebite. Now, there's nothing in a looking at a brass serpent that's going to cure snakebite. bite. Nothing. But it was a test of their faith. Would they obey God? And all who looked upon that serpent of brass were cured of the poisonous bite. Now our Lord comes along and says, I'm that serpent. This is one of the few instances in which the same word that is applied to evil is applied to good. Another is the lion. The devil is a lion. Our Lord is the Lion of Judah, meaning that when the Antichrist comes, he will act like Christ. So our blessed Lord now says, as Moses lifted up the serpent, so I'll be lifted up on the crotch of a tree. And as that brass serpent looked like the serpent that bit the Israelites, but had no poison in it, so our blessed Lord, on the cross, would look as if he were guilty of sin, full of the poison of human guilt. But as the serpent of brass had no poison in it, so our Lord had no sin in him. And all who would look upon him would be healed. Healed of what? Of guilt. I always think of that whenever I pass the Blessed Sacrament. I I have a a three-room apartment. I have a a bedroom, and then I have a what was originally a small bedroom, which is the chapel with the Blessed Sacrament. And then I have a study, and a tiny little kitchen, which is big enough for my culinary talent. And whenever I pass the Blessed Sacrament. And I would do it a hundred times a day in the apartment. I always think of this passage of our Lord, so that I look upon the serpent on the tree, our blessed Lord, to be healed of the poison of sin. Now this is what is known as a type. And I say that's the way religion should be taught, particularly the Scripture. Because the Old Testament is full of types. We, we do not have time to mention a few others, but just take my word for it. And you'll find them fulfilled in our Lord. Now our Lord, you see today, in this gospel says, Jonah is a type. He's a type of death and resurrection. Jonah in the sea, our Lord in the tomb. Jonah out of the sea, Christ out of the tomb. That is the Old Testament fact and the New Testament fact. Now the lesson. The lesson is that unless there is a cross in our lives, there will never be a resurrection. The Christian law of life is... We have to die in order to live. Now, I do not mean, and he did not mean physically dying. He meant mortification, self denial, the application of the cross in our lives. So that unless we die to ourselves, we cannot live with him. We do not like the cross in our lives. As a matter of fact, we'd like to escape it. As I told you last night, that's the essence of the demonic, the escape from mortification and cross and the penance. On one occasion, the Greeks came to our Lord. And we do not know what the Greeks asked our Lord. But we can guess it because of the answer of our blessed Lord to the Greeks. I think the Greeks said to our Lord, And this was within two weeks of his crucifixion. If you stay here among these people, they're going to kill you. Why don't you leave this land? Come to Athens. We're the country of the wise men. We've only killed one great mind in our history. And that was Socrates. And we regret it ever since that we gave him that poison. So if you stay here, you will die. If you come to Athens, you will live. That they must have said because our Lord could not quote, for example, the prophet to him. He could not quote Isaiah chapter 53 and say, no, it has been prophesied of me that I must undergo Good Friday in order to have Easter. So he appealed to nature because the Greeks could understand that. And he said, unless the seed falling to the ground dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it comes forth unto life and bears fruit ten, twenty, and a hundredfold. That was a lesson the Greeks could understand. And this is the lesson of Jonah, the lesson of our blessed Lord and this is the essence of Christianity remember Christianity is not easy that's the reason we have the interest in oriental religions today because well it gives us the joy of having a religion but it does not cost us very much But Christianity costs something. Grace is not cheap. We just cannot walk through life into the kingdom of heaven. Now let me see how long I've been talking to you. You see, I do not want to uh, talk too long, but look at the interest here. So I'll tell you a story. Come here. You in the middle. Come here to me. The boy in the middle. This young man here. Come here. How old are you? How much? Four. He is four years old. And here was a little boy who was looking up here, very, very interested. Now, so you create the problem of how long, how much more should I talk, before, will you get bored to death. Uh, listen, I will tell you, I'll tell you a funny story about long talkers. So you go back to your place now and listen to it. I was once giving a talk in San Francisco. And a gentleman spoke before me. And as he arose, his wife, who was in the front table, handed him the program. And she wrote on the back of it a big K-I-S-S, Phyllis. And when he finished talking, I said, wasn't that nice of your wife to send you that message? Oh, he said, it doesn't mean what you think it means. It means keep it short, stupid. now coming back to the lesson of Jonah our blessed Lord and the Greeks we have to work out our salvation and there will be crosses in our lives that we make through mortification and self-denial and then there are other crosses that are imposed on us for example sickness particularly of children Now, what what do we do with crosses? Poor health, for example. And then injustice from others. Well, we have to unite it with our Lord on the cross in order to use it to purchase our eternal salvation. About a year ago, I was talking to Pope Paul VI, and I said to him, you're well-named. Name Paul. Paul, as he went from city to city, was stoned From Lystra to Derby to Antioch, Pisidia. And so I said, you are stoned by your own. Yes, he said. I opened my mail at midnight. And in almost every letter is a thorn. And when I put my head on my pillow an hour or two later, I really lay it on a crown of thorns. But he said, I cannot tell you what ineffable joy I have to suffer. And then he quoted the 24th verse of St. Paul's letter to the Colossians. I fill up in my own flesh the sufferings that are wanting to the passion of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. In other words, I suffer all of this for the sake of the church. That's how we use suffering. I think the great tragedy of this world is the suffering that goes to waste. People suffer, and they have no one whom they can love. Love does not kill pain, but it diminishes it. I was lecturing in a city in Florida about two years ago, and I saw four or five wheelchairs in the front of the stage. After my lecture, I jumped off the stage and went down to talk to the people in wheelchairs. Well, over against the wall was something that looked like a Grecian statue, all white. And I went over, and it was a woman in an iron lung. And she was swathed in white. You couldn't see the arms. The only part of her body that she could move was her head. And she said, I'm a convert of yours. I said, I've never seen you before. No. She said it, but it was from from reading some of your books. And I said, Do you understand your cross? And she said, Yes. I do. I am not suffering for my own soul. I am suffering for other souls. To save them. In other words there was the death in order that there might be the life in others. I have a friend who spent 14 years in a communist prison and he was tortured during these years because he always preached the gospel of the Lord to the other prisoners. And he would be taken out from amidst the other prisoners as he was talking about the good Lord and he would be put on a spigot and turned and then his heels would be beaten with an iron rod as they turned him. And I, then he said another time they put me in a cell with starving rats. And I said, what did you think about where, when you were put in a cell with starving rats? Well, he said, I thought about the words of our Lord on the cross. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Those were the Aramaic words our Lord spoke from the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, he said, I'm a Hebrew, born a Jew, so I understand the the language well. He said, these words are in the past tense. Past. So our Lord is not saying, why are you abandoning me? But why in the past did you? So he said, our Lord was abandoned by the very fact that he was born. He was abandoned by us. Our Lord, therefore, he said, must have been looking to the joy of resurrection. Having joy set before him, he endured the cross. And he said, he considered, therefore, his crucifixion is past because he knew that he would come to life. So he said, that's the way I regarded the rats. I have trust in the Lord. I'm not going to perish here. I'm in his hands. I'm going to consider the rats as all finished. So he said, some of the rats sat down and philosophized. They were too hungry to move about. And others nibbled at the rags on my feet. And after five days, they had not touched me so the communists took me out of the prison they knew that it was useless to keep me there with the starving rats summing it all up as Christians we have one law Good Friday Easter nothing is ever accomplished that is worthwhile without some self-denial and mortification. If you have a cross, bear it. It is His. And you will be glad of it and for it someday. Your salvation is assured. I slipped His fingers, I escaped His feet. I ran and hid for him I feared to meet. One day I passed him, fettered on a tree. He turned his head and looked and beckoned me. Neither by speed nor strength could he prevail. Each hand and foot was pinioned by a nail. He could not run or clasp me if he tried, but with his eyes he bade me reach his side. For pity's sake thought I, I'll set you free. Nay, take this cross, said he, and follow me. And so did I follow him who could not move an uncaught captive in the hands of love.
0: I love you. You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program. Bishop Sheen Presents, hosted by Al Smith. Well, my good friends, thank you for joining me for another edition of Bishop Sheen Presents, here on Radio Maria Canada. And I'd invite you to come back again next week. And until that time, may the Lord continue to bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord look upon you kindly and bring you peace. You have been listening to Bishop Sheen Presents, hosted by Al Smith, here on Radio Maria Canada.